good vibes. A good evening. I do not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. The Knutsons. have taken control as to bring you this special show. Who are the Knutsons? Only good vibes. Only good vibes is the plan. Only good vibes, good vibes. Okay, this is called the Knutson Effect. Hi, David. Can you hear us? Yes, I sure can hear you. How are you doing? We can see your precious cat in the background there, David. Yeah, we've got a couple in the background here. A couple of cats. Oh, no, it's, it's, that's not a real cat. That's my uh, paper mache cat. <laughs> All right. Okay. You've been keeping busy? Yes, I have been keeping busy. I've been doing quite a lot of these interviews, these um, yeah. uh, uh, Google interviews, actually. I'm delighted. It's been fun. Yeah. yeah. It's a and I got, <clears throat> I got a new radio show on Friday nights, and then I have my disco juice on Saturday nights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I just signed a wonderful new deal with Simon Dunmore and Defected Records, Glitter Blocks Records, for a bunch of remixes. And Brilliant. things are moving right along for a man of my advanced stage. I'm very yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're doing well, no stop. It's all happening. <laughs> well, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I always say that, um, you know, I'm very old, and so, but I'm always glad that I didn't die 10 years ago because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have experienced any of this great stuff that's happening now. Yeah, you know, everything in its own perfect timing, you know, you can't push these things and I'm, I'm around to take advantage of them, you know, yeah, and I, I, I take the action, you know, and I take, uh, c- come up with the thoughts and I take the actions, but, and I just throw it out there to the universe and it seems to be responding in kind, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very exciting times, isn't it? There's a lot of a real revival for the, for the love of the music again, a lot of new, new audiences. Well, Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I um, and when this started happening about five years ago, six years ago, I realized that uh, it was a different re-interest in the music. It was really wild. You know, Joey Negro put out that um, remix package, the two uh, albums. You know, yeah, and yeah, the, remix was love. They did it. They did it. At Demo- it was number one. You know, and the cathedral was just number one for the year on track stores and people are. I love you imagine it's a 45-year-old record. It was how good to be number one, but it was number one. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the... So good, they, 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 well, I was going to say most of the demographic on that, they were all under 35. You know, they're not... I was delighted to find out they were just a, not a bunch of old disco people, you know, in their 60s yeah, yeah. and 70s, trying to recapture their youth. They yeah. were new listeners, you know, new people. It was a new record to them, you know. So yeah. What do you think is going to spark this, this big interest in, in the sound again? In what? In cathedrals? Uh, well, and like disco music in general, it seems to have come back in a really big way over the last yes, few years. Yes, it does. Yeah, it really did. And uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the virus came around. I just, uh, I remember like um, this time last year, the fall of last year, uh, New York City was opening wide open. I mean, not so much in Manhattan because the rents are so high, but in disco land, Brooklyn, it was like every. Two weeks, there was a new disco, and you go up there on the weekends, and they'd be standing in line around the blocks. It was very, very exciting. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, Ibiza last year was just on fire, and then all the clubs, you know, throughout. I mean, in in Japan and Berlin and, and yeah. worldwide, it had gotten crazy. It was it was it was it was not the same as it was in the seventies, but it was just as big and just as exciting and just as authentic, you know. Yeah. And then um, I was so delighted, just just thrilled, you know. And uh, yeah. and it was back again. There was a tremendous reinterest. Like I said, I'm glad I've lived to be long enough to be revered like this. Because if I were, if I were dead, I wouldn't get to have this happy experience. You're a young guy. Huh? <laughs> You're a young guy, David. You're a young guy. You've still got many years yet. Oh, you think so? As yeah. I was having, you know, Nicky Siano, the DJ Nicky Siano. Oh yeah, yeah. Nikki, I was I had lunch with him last Friday, right? And we were saying, uh, uh, I, I was telling him about my deal with uh, Defected, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was like a seven year deal, and and uh, and I said, do you think I'm going to live another seven years? You know, but we're talking the '80s now. You know, if I live another seven years, I'm in my '80s. Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, you're doing okay now, so let's not let's not discourage yeah. you. Really, you know, that's cool. Keep you young. That's cool. Keep you young. Yeah, but um. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm glad I'm, I'm around. I'm glad I lasted, you know. To how did that come about, David? How, how did that, uh, the, the contract and things with Defected come about then? Well, with Joey, I several years ago, I, about eight or nine years ago, I, got, I was 
all the, the original multi-tracks reverted back to me. There was a law that was passed. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, fortunately, and, and I just, I went to the court and I, I found out that, that they belonged to me. And so then I tracked them down. Right. And my sister had passed away recently, and she left me some money. Right. And so I, uh, they were all there in Abbey Road in London, all the original uh, multi-tracks, the analog. Wow. And so I said, well, I said, I got the money now. And I, I, that belonged to me, and I didn't know what I'm going to do with them. But so I took my 12 favorite tracks, and I had them digitally converted. Right. You know, the stems. You know, they refer to them now as stems. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then I just sat on them for a while because, you know, through the years, Cathedrals has sustained itself. My career has sustained itself, not through remixes, because they started doing remixes in the 80s and the 90s. So it wasn't that. And... Uh, but, but it's insane to sell through uh, re-edits and, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and sampling. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of records. Yeah. And it seemed to keep cathedrals going. And then, uh, and then I started listening. And then I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get too avant-garde with the remixes. And I just thought not too many, you know, experimental changes. Yep. And so I was watching Joey Negro, what he was doing, and I, you know, he seemed to be pretty good yep. at taking the original and making it a better record and, and still maintaining the, the, the basic soul of the record. So, Definitely. so uh, I saw about three years ago, it's three and a half years ago, I sent an email to, uh, to Joey. You know, I just out of the blue, I just got his email from his website, and I said, would you be interested in doing a remix? And here are the 12 you know, tracks I have. And he got back with me that afternoon. He said, yes. You know? <laughs> and so the next day I had an agreement and he was, he was so fair. The man is such a gentleman. And he was not such an honest, fair guy. Yeah. There was nothing I could change. It was perfect. You know, it was like, oh, wow. And I'm 50-50 on everything. And it was great, great news. Yeah. So uh, I let him go to town. So it took him about a year and a half to do that. And I'll tell you, so he does a splendid job. I mean, I can listen to it now two years later. Yeah, I still yeah. get thrilled, you know, with, with all the other uh, contributors that he brought in to do the other remixes. I mean, just tremendous stuff. He, captures, he captures the magic. He saves the magic and he just kind of refreshes it a little bit. For Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, he got a lot of feedback from all my original DJ friends who just said, right. nobody's done it better. Nobody could have done it better than you, Joey. And, you know, he, really, I think it's true. So yeah. then in the process of um. Then I did a remix project with a, a friend of mine, Chris Cowley, out of um, Berlin, uh, Germany, uh, Wiesbaden, around there. And, uh, and unfortunately, it was, it was tracks from uh, Forces of the Night. Right. And they were just flawless, magnificent stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, then he, uh, he was feeling, well, he had, he had been very, very sick and he was in constant pain. He had been in an automobile accident and he was having trouble with his spine and he had several operations. God. And he, I mean, he was in such pain that he couldn't stand anymore and he couldn't sit anymore, you know. But it was very fragile health, very fragile health. Yeah. And we had just completed this whole remix thing uh, called um, Revelation. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, uh, KHB Records out of, of Berlin, you know. Yep. And so he... Uh, and but I was I wasn't depending upon that label to do anything because they're not a disco label, disco centric label. But you know yeah. they're a releasing company; they release everything. And but I was counting on Chris for promotion because he had really he really knew what he was doing. Yeah. And if he promoted a track on Mixcloud, if I well, a disco do show over overnight, it would be like one hundred thirty seven thousand streams. You know, yeah. I don't know what secret he had, but he was able to. He but he had mastered that internet promotion thing with yeah, dance yeah. music. Yep. And, it, and he was at the, this very moment of mastering it, you know, and I felt that I would take advantage of that and he would make it a hit. He was the one who was going to make it a hit. And because, you know, if you don't, no matter how good it is, if you don't have somebody promoting it correctly, it falls through the cracks because there's so much out there. It just simply... Yeah, goes by so fast. It's such so, a, it's such a different world now, David, isn't it? For promotion and things, it's uh, if you don't have a social media presence, then it kind of gets lost. In uh, the, correct, correct. Lost in the so, um, so then he, so Chris was really feeling. He goes into the hospital. You know, Germany has that um, uh, uh, single payer health plan. You know, where everybody gets covered. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want better care than you're getting from the government, you have to pay out of your own pocket. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah, if you want yeah. plastic surgery or, or if you're worried about a, a, a something serious, like a liver transplant or whatever, yeah, yeah. kidney transplant, you know, and, and if you got the money, you, you, you pay for a good doctor of your choice because yep. there's plenty of them in Germany, yep. but they're very expensive. Or you go, like, you fly to the States here and have it done. You know, it's like, you know, so you had that option, but Chris didn't have that much money. So he was at the mercy of the system, of the med- medical system in Germany. Right. And he went, I, you know, and I was so worried about the doctors. Leave it to me, you know what I'm saying? Because a good doctor is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he was, but he was a real fragile health. And he went in to have a, this operation on his spine, hopefully to relieve this tremendous pain. You know, in Germany, you can't have painkillers. <laughs> they don't give you painkillers. Oh, no oxycodone, nothing like that. Oh, I, don't know it's like. I don't know like what it's like over there, but... Uh, you can't like here. You're very hard to get now with prescriptions. You know, the opiates. Yeah. In Germany, you can't get them at all, all right. unless you're in the hospital and you're so tremendous pain. You're on a morphine drip or something. You know, yeah, yeah. And the doctor is right there. That's the only way you can get it. Yeah. So uh, he was in constant pain. So he went in pre-op, and they sent him home, and and they said to him, uh, they said, uh, "You're not well enough to go through your operation. <laughs> you know, you just have to get." eat more, you have to gain more weight, you have to, you know, you, and you, you're not healthy enough yes. physically to sustain an operation like this. Mm-hmm. And so he went home and he tried to get himself healthier with vitamins and uh, uh, drinks and, you know, what healthy drinks and whatever. And yeah, yeah. then he went back about three or four weeks later to the doctor. <clears throat> they still said, well, you're better than you were, but you're still not. And he said, listen, I'm in such pain. I want to have the operation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm here, I'm crossing my fingers. We had just spent a year doing remixes, you know, and I didn't want to, it's not all about me, but you know, yeah, oh my God, and all the other remixes who were so much a party to this and everybody worked their butt off. And yeah. so he went to the hospital and he, um, he went through the operation and he was out of the, and he was there the second day he had a stroke. Oh God. Right. So he's been a vegetable ever since, just like a vegetable. I mean, oh, that's so, tragic. So I don't know what's going on. So he's in a wheelchair and he's in uh, care and he's in constant care, but he just, he's not there. You know, he's really not there anyway. Yeah, he can't move the project forward. God, that's a shame. Sorry to hear that. Disaster, yeah. And yeah. so <clears throat> that left the project and everybody attached to the project, they released it at the mercy of the KHP, and uh, they didn't know what the fuck to do with it. And it, just, mm. yep. it was a tremendous disappointment. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I miss Chris tremendously. I and mean, he's a wonderful man. And yes, I see that. Incredible. And he was just about to peak with his talent and his internet presence and his remix mm-hmm. project and just unbelievable. And just it's, it's incredible how much how, it's incredible how much the internet brings people together as well now, David, isn't it? Like you can hand those projects over and you can collaborate. Oh, it's just, you know what? It would never happen 15 years ago. Yeah, but Chris <laughs> reached out to me and he played yeah. some of his stuff and I sent him the stems. <clears throat> and I was in touch with all the remixers, and yes, and yeah. just like this, like like the, like the, your next door is like your next door, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and it, it went, you know, without the internet, I say without the internet, the resurgence of interest in disco as a genre would never have happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Think the internet a lot to a lot to play then. Yeah, really locked in, really locked into the kids. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so then I was so discouraged. Oh, was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Still a loss. It's still a tremendous loss in my heart. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. no way I can save it. I mean, I know, it's just, but it's it's there and it's done and it's flawless and it's out there if anybody wants to. Yeah, yeah. And have it. You know? yep. So then, in the process of doing all that other stuff, I just didn't have anything else in mind. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> but Dr. Packer, Greg Packer, out of Perth, Australia. You know, yeah, Dr. yeah. Packer. Yep. He um he had done a remix for Joey Indiscreet for the resurrection project right and i had reached out to him i didn't know him but i reached out to him at one point and i thanked him and i thanked all the remixers that yeah. uh, that, uh, that contributed you know yeah yeah three or five of them you know so um and so he got back so we came we start friendly uh and then i had i one of the I had hot jungle drums and voodoo rhythm which was a huge hit for me i the multi-tracks were lost so yeah. they stole them or they got they got dumped and put them, threw them in the garbage. But they were the one set of multi-tracks that I didn't have. Okay. None. But I had um, a couple of pieces. I had the uh, 
a cassette of the original rhythm track. I had a, a wild track of my vocal, a wild track of the strange for some reason. Yep. Uh, 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 couple, and I've had the two track um, a master, you know, digitally converted. And so I said to Packer, I said, would you be interested in just, it's a real challenge. Yeah. It's a real challenge. <laughs> taking what I have, the pieces I have, and reconstructing a record for me. It, yeah. What you'd be doing is you'd be taking what I've got and making the record out of nothing. You know, really, because there was nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so he said, sure. And this was like the end of March, beginning of April. So they had nothing else to do, you know? Because yeah. he hadn't been working. He had some work since March, you know? You're so I, I said, you have nothing else to do. You're sitting around at home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I said, so you want to work on it? Yeah. And so... Uh, and so um, he said, sure, sure. So I sent all the pieces out to him, and I didn't hear from him for about a month, and then he sent me something. And I have to tell you something. It's, it, I got thrilled. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't listen to it without going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he, he sat up with a bass line, and he just, I mean, he did a, a, an inspired, magnificent job, yeah, and an instrumental Doctor, Doctor Pack is another one. He captures that magic and he just kind of read. Oh my! He, he, you he have no idea. Soul. You have no idea. I, and I was so I was more excited about that remix that he created from nothing than I, and all the other previous ones. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, I listened to it. I'd say, I can't believe it. I want to be in again on the dance floor doing poppers, you know. You, you and sound, really. And you so sound, you and, sound more inspired than ever, David. You sound more inspired than a than a long time, anyway. Well, it was a terrific, terrific remix. And so then I said, well, I, but he had always wanted to remix Cathedrals, Packer. And I, nobody had remixed it except Joey. And so I said, um, and he had done a re-edit right. prior to his working with Joey on Indiscreet. And Joey said to him, would you mind not releasing your re-edit? Because right. it's going to conflict with my Cathedrals, you know, your Cathedrals yeah, yeah. re-edit. Yeah. But Packer sent me his re-edit and it was right on the money. You know, it was a re-edit. Oh, I need to hear this. Right I need to hear this. <laughs> so he never let, he never played it. He never let anybody know about it. My God. So, um, so I said, okay, I'll send you cathedrals. Yeah. <laughs> so then he, I sent him the multi-tracks with cathedrals and he took three or four weeks and I sent them back to me and I said, I said, wow. No, first of all, to me at this point, my cathedrals is cathedrals is cathedrals is cathedrals. cathedrals. Excuse me. Yeah, I know yeah. everybody loves it. It's the classic and yada, yada, yada. But it's, yeah. it is what it is, you know. Yeah. And so he sent me his remix and his dub mix. And it was, they were flawless. Yep. Uh, but I was so excited about Hot Jungle Drums. You can't believe I mean, so, so I said to him, I said, well, we got two, we got four. We got a dub mix, cathedrals, dub mix of Jungle Drums, remix of each. I said, it's up to you. Yeah. I said, we can go to a million places. And I said, everybody's looking for something of mine. Yeah, said, yeah. But what would you feel comfortable? Because you're the, because my feeling was to hear his records. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They're his records. So how, what would he feel comfortable with? If he wanted me to make suggestions, I could go to, uh, yeah, I could go to Midnight Riot. I could go back to Joey. I could, you know, a hundred places. Yeah. So uh, he said, I'd like to be with Litterbox, you know, just, you know, just went public and they got yeah. fortunately there and, and it's, uh, <clears throat> they're doing other things other than, depending upon live disco play because, you know, the Glitter Rocks parties are over for now, but they've, they've expanded their operation to an extent where yep. it doesn't have to get played at a disco to be successful. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I said, we'll send it to Simon and Schumann, whatever they say, I didn't even know who they were. If they're interested, do it. And I had known Simon Dunmore for years, but he had more or less... Uh, Taking a back seat to the new A and R guy, the new business guy. You know, yeah, yeah. They, they're like huge. Seamus. Seamus Hadji. Yeah, Seamus Hadji. Yeah, we had him on last week. Funnily enough, <laughs> he was talking to us last week. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, and you know, we just did an interview with him. Uh, Lenny Fontana just did an interview yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, man, the know because you you done an interview with Lenny. Do you know? I haven't. I don't know. I don't even know him. He's just you know when he writes me, he goes. Oh, he calls me sir. You know, it's such an <laughs> honor to be. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, dear sir, and I said, oh, call me DC. You know, <laughs> so uh, so he so he sent it to uh, to Seamus, and then Seamus sent it to there's another guy there. Well, Simon too. The three yeah. of them. The three. And they came back with me, and uh, they said, uh, 
we want to put it out and we want to do more mixes and we want to do a whole another project with you and, and with Greg and, and we're going to offer you a lot of money and uh, <laughs> turn it down. It's great to see that you're working with Glitterbox, David, because they're doing incredible, Glitterbox are doing incredible things and it's great to see and defective. It's great to see that you're, you're on their radar and you're working with those guys because it's just <clears> inspiring to what, to see what the guys are doing right now. It's incredible. Well, I'll tell you something. So I got a personal note from Simon, and, and uh, they're putting both tracks out, and, and they're going to do a, a huge, tremendous remix project on Cathedrals, and they're going to put out uh, a booklet and a video, and then they're going to put out Hot Jungle Drums, and then they want more from us. Yeah, yeah. You know, for the next seven years. That's what I was saying. So Nicky Siano, I said, do you think I'll last for seven years to, to seven years at Remix? <laughs> but, you know, so it couldn't be better. It just couldn't be better. And and I can't wait to have Hot Double Drums come out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I sent a note to Greg the other day and I said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, because we're, we're just excited beyond belief. I can, because I'm telling you, they got a lot of money and they want to prove a point and yeah. they want to make cathedrals, you know, I don't know what they can do with it, but they're really excited. And, um, it definitely sounds like it's been a very exciting time. What? It definitely sounds like it's been a very exciting time right now. So much happening. Yes, for me, sure. Yeah. And so I just, uh, I just, um, I'm just, uh, I never wanted to make new records, you know. And people would yeah. say, for the last ten years, they say, oh, why don't you go in and make another record? Why don't you go in and make another record? And I said, no, forget it, because you know what? It's not that I couldn't do it. I sound the same. And yeah, I, yeah. You know, I'm an old, old man, and I still sound the same. I sound like a kid. <laughs> and, but you know, the trouble is, is that that um, no, really, I did a a, a, a a show for um about two years ago for uh, uh, Louis Vega. And the oh yeah, yeah. This closing party was here in New York at CLO, yeah. and I did cathedrals, and I did indiscreet, uh, and some a couple from Italy came up, and she said to me, "Oh, she said, I love your voice. She said you sound like an angel." And she's a compliment, that. Yeah. John, John tells me that all the time. No, no. Like tell me back. It's like I said, oh, thanks a lot. Yeah. But so, so um, I never wanted to do another record because I've, I've lived through it. I, yeah, I, you yeah. know, the, the, I've, I've seen Gloria Gaynor want to do another record. I've seen all these people like Donna Summer. She, she was so unhappy that she wasn't top 10 number one she wanted always with another record another record and i remember saying to her i said you know you can make the best record on the planet yeah and it'd be better than anything you've ever made with your career i mean with your career untouchable yeah yeah i mean incredible songs incredible records it could be the best one you've ever made in your life and you present it to a record company donna and they're going to say oh i want to hear the last dance <laughs> oh, I love to love you, baby. Because yeah, yeah. after a period of time, yeah. you, they don't care. And mm. it's hard work making a record. I don't care. And I remember when I was a kid, living in the studio for days, you know? Yeah. And I, I loved it and it was part of my life and I wouldn't have given it up for the world. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, like I keep saying, a man of my advance, I don't want to live in the studio for days. I don't want to do it at home in my living room. Yeah, and yeah. I have a studio I work with, but you know what? It's a lot of work. It's extra yes. money. It's a lot of creative energy. And for me to work for a month, a month and a half, two months with a producer yeah. and in the whole in the studio and everything, and then have it come out and people say, oh, can we play cathedrals again? Or <laughs> 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 right, right, can we pay with the dance? I mean, I, I, yeah. it would break my heart. But yeah, I'm not even yeah. going to go there. I'm not going to yeah. go there. I don't care. I'm not going to make another new record. But the thing is, is that what else have I got to do except remixes? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it's good enough because nobody's remixed any of my stuff for 40 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And I've, I've control of the, the multi-tracks. And so now I can do it the right way. Now, like my deal was with Joey Flawless and, yep. now, with, and now with Simon and Defected and, and, and Seamus. Yep. Even people. See, see, you, be see, go, see going back, go, go, see going back to when you you guys wrote uh, Cathedrals or the Cathedrals album, David. Talk us through what that was like then. Back then, where where did you guys actually record the album? And thinking back to the, the early days that that all started out, we, we, we recorded it in uh, New York City here at a, a, a studio called Groove Sound. Okay, and it was a sixteen track, and um, uh, Aaron Sheffman and I were working together on the, the concept album. And yep. uh, I, and so we went and we recorded it here, engineer. 
and and it was uh, it, it, an interesting moment with Cathedral's uh, <clears throat> when we finished it. When we left the studio, uh, Aram said to me, Aram had had a lot of hits with the Ginny Rand, Tin Wheel Drive. You know, he was a rock band guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. And Michael Baker was on the session. Right. And, um, and so, uh, and so Aram said to me, he said, it's the best fucking record I've ever made in my life. And he said, I don't think I'll make another one as good. <laughs> and Steve, Steve <laughs> and the promotion man said, it's a classic. It's a classic. It's a classic. You know, this yeah. is the, leaving the studio. And, um, and Aram said to, to Steve, well, you know what that means? It's a classic. Nobody's going to make any money for 40 years. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. <laughs> so, and so it came out and it was like, um, it was hit him right away. It was right away. It was just so so different, so unique, and it's interesting. Oddly enough, uh, uh, it was in this, and uh, it took off in the gay clubs here in the states. But it came, the rest of the world, it was the black clubs. The black clubs were playing yeah, yeah. In, in the UK, and, and it was the black R and B clubs that were playing, it. and mm -hmm. uh, that's where it got started. Like in the and and the pirate radio there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's where it got started there. Yeah, and it's uh, it was it took a long time. It was a long time coming. Yep. Uh, I well, what, is it, what, what is the thinking behind it, Dave? If you don't mind my asking, what what is the the story behind cathedrals and the if, is, if it's too personal, if it's too personal, you don't have to tell us. No, no, it's nothing. <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 a story. It's an observation. Cathedrals right. is a metaphor, of course, it has nothing to do with religion. And it's an observation on the sexual mores of the time and the social mores of the time. You know, oh, yeah. uh, look, looking for Mr. Goodbar, uh, you know, the, the dating scene, the right. disco scene, it's all about drugs and yeah. picking up people and going to bed with them. It's not, not just gay, it was everything. It was everything. Okay. The studio before wasn't gay, and, and if it wasn't gay, and the and at the end of the night, you go to the back at seven o'clock in the morning. Jim Burgess would say, "Oh my cat, gonna jump! Don't jump! Don't jump! Don't jump! Get up! Get up! Get up!" Sorry. <laughs> 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 you know, hey, he's gonna see you. See you. Guest appearance. Yeah, he's gonna jump on the uh, on the fireplace. <laughs> so, <laughs> anything, so, yeah. so um. It was about that. It was about uh, an observation on sexual morality at the time, you know, and okay. they made movies about it, and uh, and that was about it. And, and uh, so I've listened, uh, I've listened to it quite a few times. I'm just thinking, what I'm trying to figure out the lyrics and what's actually. I, I, I dig quite deep into songs. I'm thinking I need to ask the man himself what actually is the thinking behind this this song. Well, yeah, that, that was, it was it was like um, it was life for me, and and like the disco life kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it was okay. And it, it was a not very honest record. And it could it, it apply to everybody. I mean, if you had been there, you would have been doing it too, you know. So, yeah. Did, in, did you move out to New York quite young, DC? Did you head out to New York? I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, yeah. Uh, Estra, Connecticut, which is about... Can you stop? Can you, excuse me. <laughs> I don't... That guy. <laughs> uh, I think, I think he's, he's never done that before. <laughs> he's never done that before. He's just like, um, much attention. He likes so, the spotlight. Uh, I, I love that. I grew up in Connecticut. What? So he wants the spotlight? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> um, I grew up in Connecticut about uh, two hours outside of New York City. And uh, yeah. when I was a kid growing up, I was back and forth between Boston. I used to party in Boston. I used to party in New York. Yeah. And then when I got out of school, I came to New York City and... 1969, and that's I've been everywhere since then. God, what, what was it like then? Then DC, what was what was New York like? Late 60s, early 70s? Can you can you sum that up? <laughs> that was that in one was, sentence. The late 70s, <laughs> the early 60s. Well, you know, it was it evolved because when I came to New York City, uh, I remember the one of the first weekends I was here. I had a friend who invited me to go into Woodstock. So it right. was peace, love, and weed and hallucinogenics. You know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the 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 seasons of love in San Francisco and where flowers in your hair. And so yeah. then it evolved. It got uh, New York got very funky, uh, and it got because it ran out of money and uh, and it got very dangerous and there was a lot of crime. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then uh, and then the, it just goes start opening up, and uh, it was a whole, it was but it was just uh, it was not a good period for mm -hmm. New York City. Yeah, the city itself. But then the disco thing started happening, and and uh, but it's still bad. It's still still not very nice to live here. But I would never move anyway, you know. Cause yeah, yeah. 
And how did you actually get into making the music then? Uh, so for years, I had started making records when I was in high school and okay. uh, pop records, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I would make them off and on through the years. And then I had pretty much given up making records. I mean, I have a, a there's a CD that just came out of all the stuff that I recorded prior to cathedrals. And it's yep. called, um, if you want to go to eBay and type in Matthew Reed, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-R-E-I-D. Okay. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on CD that you can buy. So mm-hmm. I had been around, you know. Yeah. I had an art school and I was working in the entertainment industry with my okay. graphic designer, whatever. I worked with John Lennon, and Bruce Springsteen, and Janice Ian. And all the while, I would get a record deal here, a record deal there, but I never was successful. And so, um, well, did you work? I as, had as, uh, did you work as a musician, DC? Did you work as a session musician with some of those some of those guys? Yeah. No, I worked as an art director. <laughs> art, oh, director art director. All oh, right. <laughs> you were just around around them. Huh? You were just around guys like that then? No, I, I was around them because I was doing album covers and portfolios and oh, okay. stuff like that and, and really? advertising for them. Yeah, so no, because that's John how I made Lennon, my money when I. Did you say huh? for John Lennon as well? DC? Did you see John Lennon? Yeah, John Lennon. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, thank God. And uh, he was a big disco fan. John was a big disco fan before. Yeah, it was yeah. Special. Yeah, of course. It's interesting because when I was working with him, he. Uh, I, I went up to the Dakota to uh, to work on a project with him, yeah. and he had this huge bedroom, and it was all in black. And uh, at the end, it was huge, but he had like a double, triple size bed. And at the other end of the room, there was a Sebring jukebox, you know, a jukebox with all the lights and everything. Yeah, yeah. And every Monday, he used to go to uh, have the secretary, the Yoko secretary, go down to Colony Records, which is a big store in New York City, Colony Records. Right. For the original the big disco outlets, the first ones. But that was before the 12 inch. When I was working with John, it was before the 12 inch existed. And he used to have all his secretary buy all the disco records that were underground disco records in the right. 40 lives and wow. have them in his jukebox. And he used to have a disco jukebox. Oh, and right. He always, he always <laughs> used to say to Yoko, really? And it's not so impossible to believe, you know, and he always used to say to Yoko, you could be the queen of disco. You could be the queen of disco. And she didn't want anything to do with it. Right. And then it's a, it's a sad part of the story is he finally signed with Geffen and he finally got Yoko to do a disco record, Walking Out the Nice. Right. And that was the night he was killed. Oh, God. Yeah, that was the night he was worried. Getting murdered. He came yeah. home that night from the session and he finally was so happy that Yoko did a disco record. He finally talked to me to doing a disco record and he got wow. shot. <laughs> yeah. My God. So, wow, story, yeah. Yeah. True story. So, but yeah, John was a big disco fan. And, uh, but once, I, I was working for him for a long time and, and but when Yoko got pregnant, uh, they just removed themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. From, from humanity and they isolated because they were, she was older and, uh, and they were afraid she'd lose the baby, so. You know, yeah, yeah. He got sober, he didn't do drugs anymore, she didn't do drugs anymore, and they just were concerned about having the child. Yeah, yeah. She's still alive, you know, and up yeah, until yeah. about last year, I used to see her in the street down here. <laughs> yeah. She was an escort, and she'd be walking around. She, you know, it's just funny, because you look at her, and she was, um, she was such an international sensation yeah. with John and with her artwork and with her, Everything and uh, with her sit-ins and beans and whatever, and you look at her now and she looks just looks like a little Japanese lady, eighty-five years old. <laughs> DC, you 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 two have to get together and make a record together. That's what we need. Oh, me and Yoko. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> so so uh, so that's uh, yeah. So uh, that's what I was doing and. I was, and then one night, I, I had given up recording, Famous Last Learn, about 1975. I had done a record for Krishna Records, Donnie Krishna. Right. And it was so fabulous. And it was a bomb because label problems, label drama, intrigue. And yeah. so I said, that's it. <clears throat> Best record I've ever made, pop record. I said, fuck it, no more. I'm not going <laughs> to try And then about 18 months later, I was dancing at a club here called 12 West. I used to do a lot of drugs back in the days, you know, part of my resume, you know, mescaline yeah. or whatever. And, uh, and I remember I was very high and I was dancing at 12 West and 
Tommy Severis was the DJ, and he put on Love to Love You, Baby. Oh, yeah. And I just, what the fuck is this? You know, <laughs> and the way, and the way and I had been used to 18-minute records, because you, know, you had like My Fire, and I got into Vita, because I'm from that era, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that rock era, you know, with Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin, you know what I'm saying? So, yep. They all had 20-minute tracks. And so, yeah. But yeah. the way Giorgio reduced the strings and drums and da, 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 is, wow, this is an inspiration. You know, I, I think I'd like to do one of these kind of records. Yeah, yeah. And so then a couple, couple of weeks later, I was with my friend, uh, <clears throat> uh, Steve DeQuisto at Dave Mancuso's Loft down yeah. here in Soho. And, and we were dancing it, once again, higher as high as can be. And uh, <laughs> uh, the, the dance floor, you know, David used to, David used to mix butt records. He didn't make, he used to just play one after another. He didn't segue them. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and uh, but sometimes he'd be looking for a record and there'd be silence. Oh, he was queuing it up. And so, um, and now when you're really high and you're dancing and you're frantic, you know, that three seconds can sound and feel like an eternity. <laughs> and so, and so, um, uh, not that you would not know anything about that. Oh, no, we are clean, clean 11 young guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, and I, we, I was standing there and there was silence and then David started the record and then the entire place went scream. It was packed. It was like jams. No social distancing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so packed and jams. And the entire place went up in screams. And Steve DeQuisto was at the sunway. He, he, he says, Discos! Discos are the cathedrals of now! You know, like a preacher. <laughs> the cathedrals of now! And as high as I was, I said, gee, that sounds like a great idea for uh, uh, an album, a concept album. Yeah. So, but I remembered it. And so then I went home and then I had been working with Aaron Sheffer on an album cover with him and Michael Zager. And I said to Aaron, I said, uh, as an art director, I said to Aaron, I have an idea to do a, a disco album. And Aaron was interested. Aaron said, oh yeah, okay. So I took Aaron to a couple of discos and uh, then I came up with Cathedrals, a song Cathedrals, but I would never come up with that title. Yeah, yeah. Steve Christo had screamed it out in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> And so that's how it happened, you know. And then, yeah. unlike all my previous recordings, um, uh, it was successful right out of the box. Really yeah. out of the box. David, did you ever come into contact with David Bowie at all? Did you ever come into contact with him in New York? Or no, no? not with Bowie, no. No, because I know he was out there, wasn't he, quite a lot? Well, I don't know. I never got close to him, and I was never around. Uh, no. Friendly with him. Bowie came from a different thing. He came from, Bowie had an extended career and yeah. went through many, many phases. And he was a star long before cathedrals ever made it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure he liked cathedrals. I know a lot of those people love cathedrals. I know Cher loved cathedrals. I know Elton John loved cathedrals. I know, I they because they told me, I ran into them, you know, they, oh, cathedrals. And, you know, but, <laughs> but um, as far as me being a part of that celebrity. Yeah. No, because that would, that's a different thing. That comes from a different place, you know. They were huge stars, international stars. And I didn't, I paled in comparison. You know. it's, it's been an I absolute paled. pleasure learning the history from you, DC, I must say. We, we love getting guests like yourself on who tell us, us, a couple of young guys like me and John learning all about the history over here. A couple of Scottish young guys. We like to learn all, all about the history, of, especially where the, where the disco scene and where the house scene evolved from, you know. It's, thanks for taking... How did you get into disco? What's your story? What's your story? How did you get into disco? How did you get into disco? It, it was more John? Than you, it was something called funky. John, how did you get into disco, John? Asking for oh, yeah. oh, I would say I kind of came in more through funky house. I would say, um, but I don't know. Disco has kind of been permeating through a lot of music over the years, even throughout like hip hop and things like that as well. So I've always heard bits of disco through like hip hop and house music throughout the years, and mm -hmm. kind of generally through a funky house, and then with the disco coming back in. Over yeah. the last few years as well, yeah. I think it's been our parents, our parents as well. DC, our parents always drilled disco into us. I think so. We've kind of been brought up listening to disco from uh, from birth, basically, because <laughs> my mum and dad are disco fiends. Basically, they love it. Oh, so you're a child of a disco a disco union, huh? Yeah, that is disco love. Disco love. What was your mom's favorite records? Oh, she That's loved all, like, oh my God, Bee Gees. She was mad for the Bee Gees, but just the uh, Earthman. Oh Talk about Bee Gees. You can't touch Bee Gees. Now, that's another group that had 
a career that spanned decades. And, yeah. you know, I, I started loving the Bee Gees with, have you seen my wife, Mr. Jones? I mean, I'm a big fan. But yeah, their yeah. disco era, their disco era. Yeah, Up Wind and Fire, got bad times like that. Those records, oh my, I can say, I just, ah, you know. Timeless. Absolutely timeless. But I think I think in the early kind of late nineties in the UK there was a big they called it funky house the bit like John said it had a lot of disco influence and loops and stuff and then yeah, so yeah, we yeah. get into it quite early on mixing records probably what would that have been but got about twenty years yeah at least twenty years ago we started mixing records on like Technics deck so kind of house music yeah. and trance music sure. as well we were like trance music back in the day and stuff yeah, and then the the house music as well. Yeah, and it's just gone full circle now. I think hasn't it? It's come. The disco will never die. DC, that's the thing. It'll never, it'll never die completely. Well, there was a time there. Excuse me. There was a time there when it was, I didn't quite know. Yeah. You have to understand that I, maybe you're not there. Too, you weren't there, but me personally, I took a lot of abuse because I was disco. I did it. Yeah. And when they were burning the records and the companies went bust and. And they and, and nobody wanted disco. Nobody yeah, wanted. There was oh, that movement that tried none to. Of it, none of us could get record deals. None of us. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite. Uh, uh, let's say, uh, do you want to get funky? Was Nate that guy? What's his name? Peter Brown. Right. He made he made the best records ever. You know Peter Brown. Yeah, I've heard the new, yeah. Well, his records. I listened to his recordings. And I said, how did he do it? How did he do it? Because he makes a different kind of dance record than I yeah. made. I would never have been able to do what he did. And when he got with all those th- millions of records and all the charts, so I mean, he couldn't, he, he went back to, to Detroit and started selling real estate. You know what I'm saying? Right, Gina yeah. Socio, Gina Socio was treated so, and here was an Italian guy from Canada and he was really he was classically trained and he made those great records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and then when it was over, I mean, he, Nobody even wanted to, to use him as a session musician. Always oh, disco. Always oh, disco. Always oh, disco. It was like, like a, a plague. It was like a plague. Yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> there was a lot of so movements. There was a lot of movements that made it awful. Out of. It was awful. And the abuse, I mean, you know, it's, it was like, what happened to all the millions of records that are fucking sold? Yeah. You know, how can you treat me with such abuse? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was like, it, it's like anything I did was disposable. Yeah. Crap. yeah. Not worthy of any kind of success, and yeah. I was really treated that way. And uh, so there was a time there in the eighties and the nineties that I was—I mean, I didn't really even think about what I was doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I became—I went back to photography and art direction. I, got, okay. I was very successful with my photography, very successful here in the city. And so I wasn't starving, and I was doing very well, and I was having a wonderful time as a photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, nobody wanted to know from me. Look at it now. Look at it now, DC. It's gone full circle, and you're brushing shoulders with the biggest label out there that's pushing this music again. It's funny well, how that's the whole thing. The whole point is what goes around comes around. But you know what? I think the secret is, uh, and I said to this earlier in, in this discussion, I've lived long enough to see it. Yeah. And I feel that people like um, Barry White, Sylvester, the great disco people that are no longer with it, like Isaac Hayes. Yeah, yeah. The list can be on and on and on. Uh, they have died over the years. Yep. The people who have passed away are not here to enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm tremendously fortunate yeah, to be around, to be healthy, to be cognizant, to be able to understand what's happening. Yeah. And, they have, and to come up with a, an, an idea every once in a while, you know. Yeah. And, you know, if you can say, when Joey said, um, Joey said something interesting. He said, uh, well, man, he's my hero. But Joey's my hero. Yeah. I don't care. Simon, Simon, them are in fact a bit fine. But without Joey, nobody would give a fuck about cathedrals. Yeah. And I really, <laughs> I really feel that way. Yeah, no he one. He's the man who saved my ass. Yeah. And he is the man who really inspired a total reintroduction to my music. Yeah. So, but, yeah. We, but there was a discussion there. So could you tell us a little bit about your um, your writing process as well? You met, you mentioned earlier on about the like the amount of time and creative energy it takes to get into the studio and, and make those tracks. Oh, what, oh absolutely. absolutely behind yeah. that? How, how did you kind of get started with the writing process when you were putting the, the tracks together? I was writing I was writing songs ever since I was a kid. Okay, yeah, it's natural. Yeah, it, just from one thing led to another. I mean, it just I didn't even think about it. Like my artwork, I just it was there all the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
when I grew up, I learned how to play the piano and I learned how to play guitar. And, right. uh, and uh, then and I'm telling you, you should get Matthew Reed, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-R-E-I-D. Yeah, yeah. It is on, uh, on uh, eBay. It's, um, uh, I, I was in high school and I got my first record deal. Mm-hmm. I made some demos of some songs. A friend of mine sent it to producer Bob Crew, Four Seasons, big, you know, he was producing Bitch Rider and Joey's Play Wheels, a hundred different acts. This one of the most successful producers in, on the planet. Yeah. And he heard me and signed me when I was in high school. And when I got out of high school, I made my first record. So it was just there. Yeah. You know, it was just there. And I just took the action. And I was fortunate enough to get the acknowledgement. Yeah. But it didn't, I didn't have his hits right away because something always happened. But, you know, my, uh, I feel that I was. I, it was meant to be. I, I stood there long enough. I think that inspiration that when I heard Donna Summer and the thing at the, at the, the loft was cathedrals. And this was, yeah. I think it was like a karmic energy thing. Yeah. That yeah. now was the time for me to find what my groove really was. You know? so, yeah, definitely. All the other records, if you listen to them, if you buy that CD, all the other records, you can hear, you know, it was like a Paul Anka sound or it was a Simon Garfunkel sound. Or it was, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. None of it was truly originally me. But okay. when I came out with Cathedrals, it was nothing like it. So. It was all you. <laughs> yeah. No. So that was it. Uh, like- but getting back to Joey, uh, he said about, uh, somebody said to him, oh, please, you know, uh, it's so successful. Cathedral is number one for the year, but you know, it's a Joey Negro remix, you know, who expected that they'd be bad. And Joey said, I only had the best to work with. Yeah. I only had the most magnificent tracks to work with. Yeah, and he yeah. Said, it wasn't me. It was DC. It was the original creative energy. Yeah. And he said, don't kid yourself. You can say it was me all along. No, it wasn't me. It was what I had to work with. And I said, wow, what a nice thing for him to say, huh? That's a humble, a humble guy, I think, isn't he, Joey? He's a very humble guy. Well, all I know from Joey is, is that, um, that well, I, first, I went to him first because uh, about 15 years, 18 years ago, he put out a track called Everybody on Z Records. Yeah. And they sampled cathedrals. Right. And he paid me. <laughs> and he paid <laughs> me for the much. sample. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, I, and I was getting money. Everybody was sampling it. Nobody was paying me, you know. Right. And, so, and so Joey samples it and pays me. And I went, oh, see records, they pay. So when I came up <laughs> with the idea to do, all about money. Yeah, so yeah. When I, came, no, when I came up with the idea to do the remix, I said, I'm going to call Joey because I know he pays. You know? yeah, I know he respect, pays money. I know he pays his artists, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I went with him. And I knew he was a fan, see, because he used cathedrals on a, as a sample before, so I knew. Yeah, yeah, and pay these, pay these respects, pay these dues. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks, thanks for taking. I, I I've never met him. I've never met him. You know, yeah. Never had a chance. One, one had day, one, one day we'll get you out to the to the UK, DC. We'll get you out here. Hopefully, I would love to. More positive yeah, times ahead, hopefully. Thank, thanks for taking time to chat to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. We don't. We could talk stories about music with you all night. I think, and we should. Thanks for sharing your experience. I think you should replace that Giorgio album with. Uh, uh, cathedrals, or maybe even Teen Answer. How about Confessions? There's a lot of them you can. Voices of the Night is a great cover. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm going to do that for you, DC, especially because you've taken time out for us. I am going to do that for you, all right? Okay, now have you got a link that I can put this on my um, Facebook page so that people can watch it again? Yeah, well, every we post the videos up on a Sunday. We post them up Sundays. We record it midweek and we post them on a Sunday and then we just put it across the social pages. So don't worry, we'll tag you up in it and we'll uh, yeah, we'll give it a good push. Let people. We we want the new generation to learn more about these stories and learn about the guys like yourself that helped create the the music we're all enjoying again. So yeah, don't worry. We'll we'll give it a good push for you, DC. No worries. Well, I I've never been to. I, I was going to be playing in in Glasgow. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. Right, that's, that's, what, I, yeah. that's where we are. We are we're Glasgow. There's yeah. a big festival there every once in a while. Who's the guy he has it? Nikki Nikki Sienna was going to be playing. Right. And he wanted me to perform, and I was going to be doing it until the last minute. I don't know; they just oh, changed. The time, don't don't I, do this! Yeah, to yeah. Don't do this to us! Come next on, thing, next thing. Yeah, next thing. <laughs> well, you know, do, they, they, how are the discos? They have discos in Scotland. It's, it's, oh, are they open now? Are they social distancing or what? It's a story. 
Oh, there's not much going on right now. No, there's not. There's no clubs at all right now. Yeah, there's not a lot of background music and bars and stuff right now. So there's of any, much yeah. no music scene right now. Too. Are you still the social distancing and masks and everything? Yeah. It's how, really, is, how, is the, how is the coronavirus thing there now? Is it in New York City? It's less than zero. Less than one percent. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for weeks now. Nobody's even dying from it. You know, yeah. and I'll tell you something. Just because we know how to not get it here, and yeah. we don't give a fuck. We're, we're going to wear our gloves, <laughs> we're going to wear a mask, and we're going to social distancing, because none of us want to die. And all yeah. these people around the world and all the people that um, in this country who are ignoring the, the facts and ignoring uh, the, the suggestions on how to keep yourself safe yeah. are getting it. Yeah, yeah. You know what my feeling is? They deserve it. Keep yourself safe. <laughs> it's very simple. But you, you know what? You deserve it. If you're such an idiot that you, you're told how to do it, you're told how to, you're not going to catch it, and you, mm-hmm. you go out without a mask, you go out with getting kisses to strange girls, excuse me. You know, <laughs> you deserve to get to it. It's quite strict over here. You have to wear a mask when you're going indoors and into shops and things. It's yeah, um, yeah. like no, a legal thing right. now. Me and John can't even yeah, visit. Can't... But I don't think, I don't want to close on a, a negative note, and I'm not being the prophet of doom, but I don't think it's ever going to be the same. No, it doesn't look likely, does it? I'm hoping that a vaccine, maybe a vaccine, yeah, can yeah. prevent something. Yeah. They've got a, Johnson & Johnson has a vaccine now that will prevent it in monkeys. Right. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting there slowly but surely we're close to monkeys we're close to monkeys and maybe you know what but that's the kind of vaccine we're going to need not one that's like with the, the flu vaccine or whatever yeah yeah that doesn't prevent it it just I, makes when you get it you know easier yeah. for you mm-hmm. now if they can get come up with a vaccine a vaccine that will prevent it like they do it if you got it in monkeys, they can prevent it in monkeys. Yeah. That's the only solution. That's the only solution. DCR, but, then got, but then you've got a good billing gazillion people to vaccinate. Yeah. DCR, DCR kind of smell like a monkey, so maybe maybe that vaccine would work on me, hopefully. Well, it probably will. Okay. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try, then I can visit John again after all these months. No, not if you smell like a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we'll I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say you look like a monkey, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the hat on anyway. I'll put, put this on especially for the best guests. These see, only the best guests get this hat. Thank you very much. Thank you very the, much. Only the disco yeah. royalty, all right? No, thanks. Well, keep your ear out for this Simon Dunmore Cathedral's project and the new stuff coming from Defective. And you're right. And, and here I am again, sitting here, 100 years old, and with the hottest dance label on the planet. So... Long may it continue. Long, long may it continue, all right? No, thanks for taking time, DC. I'm sure we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, you take care out there. Yeah, stay well. Stay you healthy. Take care, okay. my friend. Take care. Bye-bye.